on the one yard line with their backs against the wall. to the Believe in Iowa State podcast. Before we get into this episode, which we're going to talk about the offensive line recruits for this, uh, the class of 2024, I want to give a quick update on one of our players that we talked about yesterday. So Dominic Overby got his initial rating by 24-7 Sports today. And if you have not listened to yesterday's podcast, part one of the signing day special, I would suggest that you go back and listen to that one first. Because this one will, this one that you're listening to right now will build on that one, and blah blah blah. Um, I wanted to talk about Dominic Overby real quick because I really loved him as a recruit. I thought when we, I talked about it yesterday, when we first offered him, I was like, "Holy cow! How does this guy not have more offers? How does this? Guy, how is not everybody just clawing for this guy?" And sometimes I get a little bit of like. Am I the only, what am I missing? Am I the only one that sees greatness here? Am I the only one who sees special ability here? What am I missing? And you kind of feel a little fraudulent or whatever. Like, maybe I don't, maybe I don't know know what I'm looking at here. But 24-7 Sports came out today with his initial rating. He was unranked, um, unrated before today. And he comes out with an 89 overall, which is a very high three-star, the highest three-star you can get. If he got another point higher, 90 overall rated, he'd be a four-star. That means that my eyes don't deceive me. That means that Iowa State staff, their eyes don't deceive them. Now, obviously, 24-7 is not the end-all, be-all, okay? It's not like... This guy's the best player. Like this guy's an amazing player. He's going to be better than every eighty-eight, better than eighty every eighty-seven. Blah blah blah. It just means that it's just another verification step, I guess. Where Iowa State thinks they're good, and you know, I look at them and I go, I can see what Iowa State sees. Yeah, I think he's great too. And then twenty-four-seven gives that validation. He also has a great grade by. Uh, on three sports, which is kind of becoming the new leader in the space. I think he's like an 88 by them. He has a good rating by ESPN, and then, you know, Rivals kind of gave him a two-star, but I think that's because he was such a close to the end that, you know, they got signing day coming up. Maybe they'll reevaluate him soon, and I hope they do. I kind of want to revisit him, too, because as I finished the podcast, I was like, a lot of, a lot of people don't really know who Martavis Bryan is or don't remember him or whatever. I mean, he wasn't that big of a talent at Clemson. He kind of came into the league unknown and had a couple big plays and big games and stuff. He had a crazy catch one game and people probably don't really remember him. Um, I would say that the closest uh, comp that I would give if I go back and reconsider it would be Christian Watson of the Green Bay Packers, and formerly the North Dakota State Bison. 
the thing that makes me really excited about that, and we'll get into the offensive line in a minute, the thing that makes me really excited about that comp, and now that I say I'm like, I should have just said that before, is who was Christian Watson's position coach in college? The same guy that will be Dominic Overby's position coach in college. Noah Pauly. We'll talk about it later, but I think Noah Pauly is probably the one unsung guy on this staff. We sing the praises of Mauser every year. He's great, and don't get me wrong. He's great. He's absolutely great. We talk about Clanton. We talk about yada, yada, yada. We can go on, but Noah Pauly has stepped in, and he has fixed the drops. He has fixed the lackluster route running. He's fixed a lot of things. And I give a lot I, I give a lot of praise to that guy because man, think about what we thought about our wide receivers a year ago, and now look at them. I mean, it was Xavier Hutchinson and a lot of guys who were a little bit incomplete. And now I feel like we have a complete group. Uh, we talked about the wide receivers yesterday, so I think we should probably start talking about the offensive line. Now, before I really get into the offensive line and all that stuff, I want to remind you guys, I've said it before, but if you're a new listener, I want to inform you that evaluating offensive line talent is not my strength. When I look at the offensive line talent, I kind of go, like, I, I, to be honest, I don't, it's, it's not a strength of mine. It's not a strength of mine at all. We had uh, Oni Amoyle came on the podcast about a year and a half ago to really discuss what to look for for offensive line recruit and he any he, he mentioned that more important than strength is your leverage that you get and and your foot placement and how quick you are with your feet and just basically also I mean we don't know this till they get on campus but how you play together that's kind of the main points that he talked about but still, when you're when I'm looking at the offensive line guys, it looks a lot similar. They all kind of blend together, whereas you can definitely pick apart the running backs and the the tight ends and the wide receivers and even quarterbacks by their play style because there's drastically di- different changes to the guy's play style. But I also can see subtle differences in a lot of these guys uh tapes and i also think we got a great class coming in but i wanted to start out with talking about probably the most important part of this class and you know we've seen it over the past couple of years maybe you've seen it for a longer than that but in my professional career i've also seen it and talked to my friends about it and just talked about their career situation and there's a there's a pretty big similarity between a lot of what my friends go through uh with their career and what I found out is a lot of my friends were never trained on the job a lot of my friends kind of did whatever they want they had to string it together and figure it out as they go and the main the main thing that I would say is that a lot of the companies that these people work for they don't 
they don't have strong leadership. You've seen we've seen this in the past within the past year especially, but also the past five years I'd probably say a lot of companies are becoming rudderless boats, getting lost at sea, and you know. They don't fall apart because a lot of these com- companies are corporations and big conglomerates. And basically, some of them are, you could consider monopolies, where, for lack of a better term, they're too big to fail. They're too big to fail. They have decades to right the ship. But there's a lot of companies with a lot of weak management right now. There's a lot of weak management. And that gets compensated by the sacrifices that the individual employee makes. And if the individual employee does not have the aptitude to overcome the challenges and the complications that the manager doesn't take head on, that department fails. But the business doesn't fail. Like, let's say that you have like a purchasing team and they're supposed to handle all the purchase orders and all that kind of stuff, basically where all the money goes, except, you know, in your paycheck and all that kind of stuff, the the actual business money where you're buying things and you're doing all that kind of stuff. If that department is lackluster, if that department is either lazy or dumb or can't figure it out, then you just, you're just not paying your bills, certain bills on the purchases that you make. And over time, it will become a point that your business has to compensate for. But the whole business is not going to fall apart. Okay. You still got your R&D department. You still got your manufacturing. You still got sales. You still got all that. But if, if the, it, it makes it difficult. And if you have a rock star... You could kind of mask it for a little bit. But when that rock star gets fed up or gives up or leaves, it goes back to being terrible. When you have a good manager, you can compensate for lackluster workers. You can fi- you'll figure out a way through the storm. You'll figure out a way through the storm. When Steve Jobs, so Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, got fired by Apple once. He got fired and he went and kind of figured out something else to do. Well, Apple, for the few years that he was gone, went in the toilet. Went in the absolute toilet. So what did they do? What did they do? The board of directors who fired him in the first place brought Steve Jobs back. And now Apple is what it is today. Because Steve Jobs' leadership Help them create the MacBook, help them create the iPod, help them create the iPhone, which you are probably listening to, the iPhone or one of the knockoffs. I know it's Android, but let's be honest, Android is modeled after the iPhone. It revolutionized everything. If you have the people who were in charge before, you might not even be listening to to this right now because podcast is named after the iPod. What am I talking about here? What am I, what am I talking about? The thing is leadership is the most important part 
of any team that you're on. Leadership by the person in charge. Being able to get the most out of the people on the team. And leading them in the way and coaching them in the way to get the most out of them. A lot of companies do not do that right now. A lot of them do not do that right now. And it's going to be hurting on the back end. And we're really starting to see it today. Where companies need to pinch pennies and figure it out. But their employees have not been trained up quite enough to be able to figure it out. And it's really biting people in the, in the backside. And it's causing friction. A lot of people are giving up. The Ryan Clanton hire, we said it at the time, but it has been monumental for this program. Monumental. I think a lot of the, I think most of the coaches that we brought in went at, at the end of last year. I think a lot of these coaches, unfortunately, they're probably not long for Iowa State because they're really dang good coaches. But you know what? We'll find more leadership if they ever decide to leave. But now we have a model. We know what success looks like. That Ryan Clanton hire was monumental. We had podcasts about it. It was incredible. We talked about it. It was great. But this year we actually saw we saw an offensive line improve throughout the year, and that it it made one. We wouldn't we would not have the Avu Sama performance if that line did not improve the way that it did. Because Matt Campbell has made one point clear to me throughout all of this is that we are not going to focus on the short term. We're going to focus on the long term. It is more important to hire great coaches than it is to find guys in the portal. Because those guys in the portal, they're temporary other teams are focusing on the portal. You look at a team like Ole Miss, their entire team next year is going to be portal guys. And a lot of those guys are going to be unhappy because there's going to be a lot of false promises. There's going to be a lot of fake promises that they can't that they can't hold up because not everybody can get the ball. You can't promise eight offensive linemen that they're going to be all Americans when there's only five spots on the field. And they're, prom- they're doing that right now. They're promising them that they are going to start next year. That's what Ole Miss is doing. And they'll sift through it. We've had a player that's left Ole Miss this year. And he was probably promised the same thing when he arrived. Now he did start for a little bit. But then he fizzled out. And they replaced him because they are in a competition with buying all of their players. And hoping that they'll be that good. And they're not focusing on developing. They're not focusing on developing. Iowa State has made a point that we are not going to sell lies to recruits. And you definitely can't sell lies to coaches. Because a coach like Ryan Clanton, he's one of the best in the business. He can go, he can go elsewhere. You're not going to lie to that man. And you know what? I've seen. I saw a lot of improvement. If you listen to guys like Ben Bruns and other guys talking about the offensive line, they've seen a lot of improvement this year in the offensive line. And you know what? Where that 
all begins where the new era of Iowa State football offensive line play begins is this with this recruiting class. And I got to say this right now, you know, at the, when I do the superlative episode, when I talk about what I think about, you know, who did, who's going to most likely start their freshman year, who's the best recruit of the class, blah, blah, blah. I'll also talk about where I think each position group ranks that we just brought in throughout the Matt Campbell era. This offensive line group this year is the best offensive line group in the Matt Campbell era. And probably, I mean, I'm not sure about what McCarney brought in, but this is probably the best offensive line group to ever come to Iowa State out of high school. I mean, I remember going to games year after year after year for Iowa State games and going, man, we are two pieces away on the offensive line. Maybe three pieces, but we are two pieces away from having a good line. I mean, even when we had Kelechi Assembly, we still were missing guys. We're still missing pieces. We had Carter Bukowski. We had two guys who went to the NFL on the same line, and the line still was lackluster. We always thought we were pieces away, but we were we were really only one piece away. And that piece was the coach, the offensive line coach. And looking at the guys that we're bringing in and the guys that we already have on campus, I think that the offensive line certainly will be a strength coming in the next couple of years. It's going to take a couple of years. Of course it is. But I think in the next couple of years, we will see a totally new Iowa State Cyclones offensive line. So let's get into it. The first guy I want to talk about is Dontrell Holt. He went to Joplin High School in Missouri. And you know, the thing about him was, <laughs> I remember it was like earlier in the year, I can't remember exactly when he committed. It was either in March or February. He was one of the first commits that Iowa State got. It might even be April, to be honest. And I remember, I remember him coming to a camp his junior season, the summer before his junior year. And you started hearing all this chatter, 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 about this guy named Dontrell Holt and how he just lit it up at this camp. It's the same camp that Connor Moberly lit it up at. And they're talking, well, you know, they're probably they're like one of the best guys here was this guy Dontrell Holt. I mean, he's only a junior, so it's going to be a while. But man, this guy was incredible. And ever since that camp, I'm like, I want Dontrell Holt. I want Dontrell Holt. And lo and behold, he is the first offensive line commitment under Ryan Clanton. And at the time of his commitment, he was rated a four-star by on three, on three. I don't know why they downgraded him. He didn't play any games and they downgraded him. I don't know why they did that. But at the time, the first offensive line recruit to commit to Ryan Clanton was a four-star offensive lineman. The thing I love about Dontrell Holt is his ability to pull. He's probably going to play guard for Iowa State. He's six foot five, 300 pounds. I mean, all these guys are six foot five, 300 pounds. And 
the thing I love about him is his ability to pull. Because one, one thing that Iowa State has been missing for the past couple of years, maybe Trevor Downing was good at this, but really we've struggled to find this with other players, is a pulling guard. We have not had an elite pulling guard. A guy with elite burst that can run and really meet a guy at the point of attack. It's something that this offense has been missing. And it's something that I hope that we utilize. We've really leaned on our fullback to be able to provide us that pull. I would like to see in the future an, an offensive guard be able to do that. That's more of an offensive guard thing to do, I guess. And Dontrell Holt has that ability. And it's one of the abilities that makes him very, very good. It's one of his elite traits that he has. That, that pulling ability, that athleticism, that ability to block in space, and he blocks in space downfield too. His ability to do that is really, really special. And it's something that if it translates to Iowa State, if it translates to college, I'm looking forward to seeing, like, it's something that we really need on this team. He's a big kid. He's very athletic. And getting an athletic guard that's able to move is something that's rare in college football. You see those guys at Alabama. You see those guys at Georgia. But you really don't see that at the Kansas States and the Oklahoma States. And you're really not going to have that much in the Big 12. Those guys are NFL guys. Those guys are definitely NFL guys. And I think that Dontrell Holt, he has a ceiling to be in the NFL. He's a very high potential guy. He has some things to clean up and a little thing, things to work on, but everybody does. Everybody does. He's very physical at the point of attack. I love this guy. There's a reason he was a four-star to begin with. And you know what? I think he still has that ability. I would rate him a four-star. He's a really special player. Another guy that I want to talk about is A.J. Burton. Now, A.J. Burton is out of Cherry Creek High School in Colorado. Same high school as Miles Purchase. The thing that I like about A.J. Burton is he's going to enroll early. He's going to enroll early, and he had a uh, shoulder injury. He dislocated his shoulder like three times when he was in high school. I'm not concerned about that. I think it's good that he's enrolling early because then he can get in the weight room, and he can also see college-level physical physical therapy and trainers that can help him to really heal that injury and get it to where it needs to be so that in fall camp, He can really start to excel and really work hard and he can work hard through spring and they can um, gear him up so that he's ready to go. I think that's a great thing to see. He's probably, he's probably apart from that injury, he's probably the most ready to go offensive line recruit that we have in this class. A lot of these guys are very good players, but there's some polishing up that needs to do with a lot of them. I think that A.J. Burton is the most ready to go. He's the most polished. He played on a great high school team. And I see him as a guard as well. He's a tough son of a gun. He's a tough son of a gun. He's going to be very physical on the point of attack. He's not the pulling guard that Dontrell Holt is, but when you're asking him to fight close quarters, he can take on the defensive tackle one-on-one. He can take on a defensive end one-on-one if they come inside. He can take on 
Obviously, he can take on linebackers, and he can move to the second level, but he's he's probably the most ready to go based on his fundamentals and his just overall playability. I'm really excited for him to get on campus early. I think that will do wonders for him and his his development and also his recovery from his injuries. One of the guys that I want to talk about is one of the Helton twins. So... This is what I really like to see when when you think about recruiting. Matt Campbell focuses on it and also TJ Otzelberger focuses on it that, you know, we really like to recruit the Midwest hard. And I think that's a good idea. I think that's the best. I think that's a really good idea because you're drawing a perimeter that anybody in here is going to be aware of Iowa State. They're going to be aware of Iowa State. They're going to know what we're all about. And they're going to know that when they come here, if they work hard, they'll be able to play. And we only accept, we, we, we focus on culture, blah, blah, blah. They're going to instill what Iowa State is about in the surrounding Midwest schools. So that if those guys' values match the same thing as Matt Campbell, they'll know Matt Campbell, they'll want to come here. But also, it's important that you go find and Recruit the best talent that you possibly can. We saw two twins out in California. I kind of need to lump them together. I know that they're their own person, and I'll talk about them in a bit. But their story is about them being twins. Wade and Brent, Wade and Brent Helton, are two players, twins, from Centennial High School in California. And they wanted to go to college together, together, probably live together, but they wanted to experience the college uh, football together because they've experienced high school, they've experienced their whole life together. Okay. I'm a twin. I'm an identical twin. I know what that's all about. Me and my brother, we went to different schools because the school that he wanted to go to didn't have an engineering school. And that's how I ended up here at Iowa State. But I understand why they want to be together. It's very fun. They're very close. And it's a family environment. They didn't. They probably don't want their parents going to two different schools. And I admire that. Now, the thing that I like about this is that this is showing that we are focused on bringing in the top talent and we're not focused on making sure that our plan only goes to our plan. We looked at two guys, Wade and Brent, and went, we need both of them. They're both good enough. They're both really good. Because Brent, he's more of a center, okay? He's more of a center. And here's the thing. A lot of college football programs, it's weird, but they don't really like recruiting centers. It's really weird, but they don't. They like recruiting tackles, and they like recruiting Quentin Nelson-type guards, just big bowling balls. That's kind of what they focus on. So they saw that Wade was an offensive tackle, and Brent was a center. <laughs> and by the offer list, Wade has more offers. 
But seriously, it is only because one played tackle, one played center. It's the dumbest thing. But that's how it goes sometimes. We looked at them and we saw that both of them have spectacular talent. And we decided to sign both of them. Get both of them to come here. And I think it's a really... We, we took away the stigmas. We took away the distraction. We took away whatever. And we decided we're going to bring in both of them. The thing I really like about Brent... Is that... He is a center. He is a center. And what I mean by that... His fundamentals... Are elite. His instincts... And his ability to lead... Are elite. Because when you're a center... You need to be able to read the defense. You need to be able to be in communication with the quarterback. You need to be able to say what you see. Be able to read the defense. You are in command of the line. And you're also kind of command of the offense with the quarterback. You're the quarterback's right-hand man. And it's very important. Because when you're out there and it's all confusing and everything's going really quick. And you only have 40 seconds to figure out a play and match it up and call, call an audible and blah, blah, blah. You need to be able to have everybody focused. And everybody figuring out what's going to happen. And Brent is very, very good at that. He's exceptional at it. And I think that when Brent steps on campus, I, I think he will be a center. I'm excited to see him be a center because that is such an important position on the football field. Is it as glamorous as the offensive tackle? Probably not. Probably not because the offensive tackle is blocking guys like Will McDonald. But I don't care about Glamorous. You know who also doesn't care about Glamorous? Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell doesn't care about Glamorous. You know who really doesn't care about Glamorous? Offensive linemen. Ryan Clanton. They don't care about Glamorous. They care about getting the job done. And when I look at Brent, I think this is a guy who can get the job done. You already have... To be honest with twins, they either communicate very well or they communicate very poorly. Luckily for me, I communicate very well. I would guess that if Brent and Wade want to go to school together, they communicate very well. So you already have that bond. They play together already. That will help the offensive line get better. And I'm very excited to see how Brent comes in and acclimates himself. I think we got a center for the future. Another guy is Wade Helton. His brother. The thing that I really like about Wade is he has a very quick first step. He's going to play offensive tackle, but he has a very quick first step. He's very athletic, and he has really, really good bend. He's what you want to see from, from an offensive tackle. Like all these guys, all these guys are six foot five, 300 pounds. Brent is six foot five, 300 pounds. Wade is six foot five, 300 pounds. Everybody that I've already listed is basically six foot five, 300 pounds. And I think we'll try to get all of them up to 315 for when they're ready to play. The thing I like about Wade, though, is he has very... I'd be wondering if Brent has this and we're just not seeing it. He has very good bend. Very good bend. Where what bend means is when when the defensive end is rushing around the corner, the defensive end also bends. Can he bend and, you know... Because you're pushing. You got, like, a ton of force. Literally, like, a ton of force with the guys digging in and putting their whole body weight on it. You got almost a ton of force that's fighting with each other. At the point of attack, 
try and as the defensive end is trying to get to the quarterback and the offensive tackle is trying to keep him from that. Think about it as this. When you're playing line, it's bend don't break. It's bend don't break. Kind of for both lines. But really for the offensive line, it's bend don't break. It's keeping that pocket clean so your quarterback can make a play and or just barreling open a hole so your running back can get five yards. That's really what it's all about for the offensive line. And Wade has really good bend and can get really good leverage off that bend and really make sure that the that the defensive end does not uh, rush off the side and get to the quarterback. I think that Wade will probably be the blindside offensive tackle for whoever the quarterback is. Both Wade and Brent are stellar players. I'm really excited to see them come on campus. And these are guys that you could look to be future stars and be future NFL players. I think all of these guys have the ability to get that far. Like, before, the the offensive lineman recruits before, probably even pre-Campbell era, you'd look at and you'd go, I don't see much difference between these guys and guys that we have walking on. And in guy like back then, those walk-ons were not good. Those walk-ons could not. You don't have Drew Surges and Steve O'Klotz and Caleb Bacon's walking through the doors. You had guys like me, okay? You had guys like me walking through the. I even went to go try out for the team. I didn't make it. I didn't pass the medical, but I I knew people that tried out that I played fa- flag football with, and one guy actually got asked to come on, but he. The t- side of turn down. Imagine trying to turn down an offer from Matt Campbell now. That would never happen. Whoever does that is crazy. Because you're going to bowl games and stuff. But these guys now, it's a totally different level of offensive line talent. It's a totally different level. I, I, I These guys are totally different than the guys that we saw before. I'm very, like, br- Coach Clanton, this class is basically the starting point, really the starting point for the future of Iowa State football because this is the type of talent we want to see. And you know what? Last but not least, we have to talk about this guy. And you know what? I might be biased, but I think this guy's, you know, my favorite of the bunch. Maybe because I empathize with him. Maybe because <laughs> he's just a big mauler. But that'd be Garrett Rutledge. He's out of Lewis Central, Iowa. And you know what? I think he might be my favorite because I empathize with him so much. And he might be my favorite because, I don't know, maybe his skill. Maybe because of what I see on the tape. I don't know. But you know what? I really empathize with a guy like Garrett Rutledge. Because in this day of college football, in this day, this era, senior season doesn't really matter to a lot of teams. And you look at a guy like Garrett Rutledge, you look at a guy like Dom Overby, and you look at a couple other guys that we'll talk about later, and you go, how did they not get recruited by all the big-time blue bloods? I'm not saying why did they come to Iowa State. I'm saying, like, Ohio State. And Michigan 
and other teams like that, Texas, didn't even give these guys the light of day. Gave them no thought. I'm looking at these guys. I think that they made a terrible mistake not recruiting them. They left them for Iowa State. And you know what? Iowa State will treat them well because of it. Because we know how good these guys are. Garrett Rutledge did not play his junior season because of a back injury that he had. It kept him out for his junior year. And you know, when when I saw him being offered and then he committed the day later, when he announced his offer, I think it was on Saturday during his official visit. When I saw that offer roll in, I was like, okay, you know, this is a preferred walk-on or what is this? Because I'd never heard of the guy before. It's like, is this a preferred walk-on? What What is it? And I saw that, no, it's a real scholarship offer. He might have put that in his tweet, but, you know, I saw that it, eventually I saw that it's a real scholarship offer. I was like, okay, well, you know, what's the story behind him? You know, let's let's take a look. Let's not judge. Let's take a look. And you saw that he had a lot of schools like Maine and North Dakota and other schools offering him and Iowa State. Iowa State was really the only FBS offer. And I I quickly went, you know what, I'm not going to judge. Let's watch the tape. Because if I trust Ryan Clanton the way that I thought I did, this guy is going to be impressive. I tell you what, if you've not seen Garrett Rutledge's tape and you're listening to this podcast, I'd ask you to pause the podcast and go on his huddle, wherever it, wherever it's linked, whether it's on his Twitter or just type it in Google Garrett Rutledge Huddle, one T in his first name, and sit back and watch the first, you probably really only need to see the first 30 seconds, and tell me what you see. Because you know what? When I watch that, I want that guy at Iowa State. That's usually a guy. This is usually a guy that Iowa finds his junior year or the camp before his junior year, and they offer him. And then this guy goes on to being the bane of my existence, and then goes to the NFL, and then I have to listen to Hawkeye fans tell me how good Garrett Rutledge is every single weekend. Maybe I'm getting a little bit mad, but you know, it's frustrating when you're telling me how good certain players are and why they stole him from our backyard. But Garrett Rutledge did not go to Iowa, did he? I don't think so. I don't think so. He's an Iowa State Cyclone. And damn it. I'm elated. This guy. I can't tell if this guy had a back injury. He's given people back injuries. He is. There's a guy named Grant Bricks. I think that's how you say his last name. Grant Bricks is from, like, Logan Magnolia, Iowa. When I saw that we offered Grant Bricks, I was like, if this is the guys that Ryan Clanton is bringing in, let's go. I am all here for it. Now, Grant Bricks eventually became a high four-star guy and went to Nebraska. And it kind of hurt, but you know what? I think he grew up a Nebraska fan, so you can't fault a guy for going to his dream school. But, man, I wanted Grant Bricks because I saw a lot of greatness in Grant Bricks, and I think he will go to Nebraska and do a really nice job for them and hopefully beats up on the Hawkeyes for a few years. I 
I really wanted Grant Bricks. I thought he would have been a special player for Iowa State. And when I watched Garrett Rutledge's tape, I was like, this looks exactly like Grant Bricks. And then I was like, there's no way that this guy's like, there's no way that this guy's like that big. No, he's, he's six foot five, 295 pounds listed. So basically 300 pounds. I went looking at him. He moves like he's 260 pounds. He reminds me a lot of a guy like Tyler Morrow, uh, who came a couple classes ago, but Tyler Morrow was like 250 pounds when he was running all over the place. This guy's 300 pounds. And treating people like rag dolls. Matt Campbell said in his conference and press conference, he said that Gary Rutledge might be the most underrated player on this class. Or he said something to that effect. And you know what? He, he probably is right because not very many people were talking about Garrett Rutledge over the weekend. I was wondering why, because Garrett Rutledge is a special player. All these guys, all of these offensive linemen are incredible. But when you look at Garrett Rutledge, you're a little bit partial because he's the most athletic one. And he is nasty. He is nasty. And he is going to play tackle. He's going to play tackle. I don't know how strong he is, especially with a back injury and a lot of missed time. But this is an NFL guy right here. This is somebody that Ryan Clanton is going to bed sleeping soundly knowing that Garrett Rutledge is coming to Iowa State. Matt Campbell talked about last weekend how it was a spectacular weekend and it will go down as probably one of the most pivotal weekends in Iowa State history and how important fans will look back at how important that weekend was. And I'm telling you what, if you're telling me that Dom Dominic Overby and Garrett Rutledge, the way that they look on tape, are coming to Iowa State, Matt Campbell is damn right that last weekend was one of the most important weekends especially for recruiting for Iowa State. Garrett Rutledge, man. Remember the name. Remember all these guys' names. We got a special group coming in this year. Special group. And to be honest, I think we could see all of them playing. I think all of them could come in and play. Dontrell Holt is one of the best guards that we've ever recruited. One of the best guards we've ever recruited. Now, I don't remember the whole history, but man, him and A.J. Burton are high, high-level guards. There's only a handful that we've may recruited that are better. And one of them, one of them was from last year. I'd put him in that handful too. Trevor Burr. Brent Helton, shoot. I'm trying to think here. I don't remember a center. I don't remember a center that's as as good as him. I don't. I don't. Because the guys we have coming in at center, really the only one that we've recruited to be center is Colin Newell. Now, Colin Newell is great. Colin Newell is great. But you know what? I think that Brent Helton has a little bit more talent than Colin Newell. I think Brent Helton can hold 300 pounds better. I think Brett Helton is stronger, more physical at the point of attack. Colin Newell really excelled with his understanding of the game and commanding the offensive line. He was not the physical presence of that offensive line. Brent Helton will be one of the physical presences. And Wade Helton, 
we'll clean up the blind side and man, Garrett Rutledge will just massacre people and open up run lanes. I and you know what? By far, by far, this is the best offensive line class to ever come into Iowa State. Definitely out of high school. But I think even including JUCOs and even including any type of transfer, this is the best offensive line recruiting class to ever come to Iowa State. Now, two guys I want to point out, preferred walk-on, Blaine Sandquist from Ankeny Centennial, six foot six, 270 pounds, and Isaiah Seymour from Dowling Catholic out here in Iowa, 6'5", 305. I don't, uh, both these guys can play. Both these guys will really help the team move forward. Now, I don't want to get too nitty gritty because, you know, I'm not the best at evaluating offensive line talent. But you know what? I'm looking at Ryan Clanton and man, I have so much trust in the guy. So much trust in the guy. That when I look at these guys and when I look at the, the other guys that we're bringing in, the guys on scholarship, I know that everybody that Ryan Clanton is bringing in can play. Because Ryan Clanton has too much on the line. The job's too difficult right now. He's coming in trying to clean up a mess. And you know, he did a great job this year maintaining, but now he's trying to grow. Now he's trying to build for the future. He's trying to build a foundation. And all seven of these guys that are coming in are going to build that foundation. If Ryan Clanton wants to bring him in, shoot. Shoot. They can play. Guys like Blaine Sandquist from Ankeny Centennial and Isaiah Seymour, they come from and from Dallin Catholic. They come from good programs, really good programs. All these guys, the, guy, the Helton twins from Centennial, uh, Burton from Cherry Creek, Rutledge from Lewis Central, all these programs are really, really high caliber programs with really good offensive line development. That's what you like to see. It's been too long. It's been too long for Iowa State fans who go to the games and they make the jokes about how Troy Davis was doing it with no line. How David Montgomery had so many yards after contact because he didn't have a line. And look at how good Brees was and he learned that because his line was underwhelming. And last year might have been the most pivotal day in Iowa State football history when we hired Ryan Clanton to clean up the mess that we left him, to be honest. The 2022 season was marred with a lot of just bad, bad things that happened. Interceptions, fumbles, hurt players, terrible offensive line play. And when the whole offensive line is bad, it's the leader who's bad, who can't figure it out. Because when one guy's not good, you can replace him. When the whole line's doing terrible, you replace the coach. And after last year, I was sick of hearing it. I was sick of hearing people make the jokes about our offensive line. It sucked. 
it sucked to hear it all because you're just like, when's it going to change? And we brought in Ryan Clanton and we started to see the change this year. We started to see guys improve throughout the season. And looking at this first class, looking at these seven guys coming in, I salute them. Because these guys bought into Ryan Clanton, his vision. I think all five of these guys are going to really, really love their choice. And they're going to look back at the choice that they made in the year of 2023. And they're going to go, that was the best decision that I ever made for my life. Because in the era of portals, in the era of portal, you never know if a guy's going to leave. I don't want these guys to leave. Love these guys. But that's the reality. And these guys are going to look back and they're going to go, whether they're in the NFL or they move on to another team or who knows. It's the reality. They can't be at Iowa State forever. They're going to look back and they're going to be thankful that they were developed by Ryan Clanton. And I think they'll love Iowa State. I think all of them will graduate Cyclones. And hopefully they can all play together on the same line. I'm really excited for these guys. I think we will look back and look at last weekend as one of the most pivotal pivotal times in Iowa State history. And this year, this line class will look back and go, wow, all those guys came from this class? All of them came from that class? Yes. I'm excited for the future of Iowa State. I'm excited for these guys on the line. And I'm very thankful and grateful that they decided to be Cyclones. Anyway, guys, that's part two. Tomorrow or within the next coming days, I really have to figure out what my schedule is. It's probably be tomorrow night. Part three will come out. That will be highlighting the defensive line recruits and the linebackers. Very excited for that. Hope you guys enjoyed this. If you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. Feel free to reach out to me any way that you see fit. Probably Twitter is the best way to do it. And let me know what your questions are. Let me know what you guys think. And yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Anyway, guys, take care. Have a happy holidays and go Cyclones. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.